Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You hear this a lot, actually. People that jump off buildings or whatever, they always regret it right when they jump. Really? Yeah, almost always. How do you? But how do they know if they don't live? Well, you, we only hear from the ones that live. Did you have any of that? No. No, I really wanted to die. At the time. Welcome to another episode of The Gary Hour. I'm your host, Gary Levitt. This week, I talk to comedian Mr. Daniel Parafan. If you like comedy, and if you like analyzing and talking about depression and suicide, you're going to love this episode. I think we uh, accomplish the aim of this podcast and talk about some heavy issues with humor and levity. This episode is brought to you by Future Moments, makers of mobile apps for content creation. If you're a musician, a podcaster, a voiceover artist, or a filmmaker, or just someone that makes videos on their phone, go to the App Store and search for Future Moments because they have an app that'll make your life easier and your production so much better. Thanks for listening. Check out the show notes for links and uh, enjoy. Loud enough? Yeah. Okay, good. Welcome. What's going on? Daniel Parafan. What's up? Thanks for inviting me to this podcast. Yeah, thanks for doing it, man. You are a very funny, high-energy stand-up comedian. I try. I've seen you kill before. I've seen you destroy a you, room. You've also seen me bomb, too. So. I have. Oh, I've seen everybody bomb, but yeah, I yeah. haven't seen everybody destroy. <laughs> Myself included, you know? Jesus Christ. Yes, we all bomb. Every day, pretty much. But I was curious to bring you here because you're one of the more friendly people in the comedy scene. You are all around town all the time. I always see you. And you also have this like mystery about you. What do you mean? I don't know. Like you seem so well adjusted. And then there was that Facebook post where you tried to commit suicide and were in an institution. All right. Fair enough. And I was uh. totally shocked by that. Well, you know, a person going to have two sides of the coin. I mean, that's not uh, crazy to say. I had, uh, you know, I was depressed for a while. And then I thought that doing something like that would be fine. And it wasn't. Uh, not to mention the... Um, I mean, what do you want me to say? I, everyone can, like... It's weird because I can I can be a normal person. Yeah. But sometimes you just get depressed. Yeah. It happens. Totally. I, everyone, I get depressed. Not everyone gets depressed. I get mm. depressed. I was just stupid about it. Mm -hmm. Was it a particular thing that happened? Not really. I think everyone just com everything just culminated. I mean, at that time, I was losing a bunch of weight. I used to be like 300 pounds, and I lost a bunch of weight. Mm -hmm. And I think psychologically, I had a difficult time adjusting to it. To the and I didn't think I would, yeah. 
Yeah, well, do you think there's something chemical like using losing so much weight? You lost it's, a lot of weight. Yeah, real fast, and it's plausible. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. How many pounds did you lose that time? Like one sixty. Wow, that's like a whole person, basically. <laughs> you lost a whole person. Yeah, yeah. You like split. You're out of mitosis, and then yeah, yeah. The other but person. it's not. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. The psychological effect that happened, or even the chemical effects. I mean, it just happens. Uh, you know, I think as comics, we're all prone to some form of depression, and we're all prone to some form of angst. Um, that's the whole point of why we do this in the first place, right? Yeah, idea in an ideal world, you know, to turn the sadness into happiness exactly. and joy. Yeah, which some of us do, but I think at the time I just didn't handle it well. Uh, it was a weird weight to carry, ironically, and uh, it was something I did. I, I regret it. Uh, I lost the respect of a lot of my peers. Really? Yeah, honestly. Who would who would lose respect for you? I'm not gonna name names, but yeah, uh, I did. I can I can feel the difference. Really? Yeah. Well, it did come as a shock to me because you seem so uh, jovial, and but that that just goes to show there is two sides to everybody. Some of the most depressed people are the most jovial in public. That's the thing. Yeah. Or even flamboyancy. I mean, just in general, I use it as a. I use flamboyancy as a defense mechanism sometimes. I'm like in a sense of like, where I know that uh, if you're flamboyant, you're. It's almost like a defense mechanism. It's you're more playful. People are like, oh, whatever. He's cool. Right. That makes sense. So it was around the time that you lost a bunch of weight, huh? Actually, it happened almost exactly as a. It's almost like a nexus point. Yes nexus point huh so maybe there is something i wish i i wish i knew if scientifically that were true yeah if we can find a way i mean but i've looked up i mean just on a on a lark i've looked up different people who have done what i did and uh there's a psychological difference between each person it's odd yeah because you're changing the physical physiological so it's it's uh it's only going to naturally happen right you're changing your whole chemistry that's what it is yeah. as i mentioned just self-perception is uh, a big part of it so let's be honest that that affects you psychologically mm-hmm. but you would think your self-perception would be improved since you've got you got down to the weight you wanted it, it did but it didn't I, I don't know how to explain it i mean it's just a, a radical change so fast which admittedly i i done because uh, i wanted to just lose weight that quickly i think it was just a, something something that broke in me i was like no i'm done and, did you do it uh, naturally or oh yes and no i yeah. mean i didn't take any pills or anything that's what you're implying uh it was more like exercise and diet but it was they were extreme exercising extreme diet i was working out like four hours a day wow and i was dieting to the point of um like a deficit of caloric intake to mm-hmm. the point of extremism yeah because maybe it's not good to go down that fast it's plausible i mean it's not i mean it's, clearly there was some kind of psychological aspect to it that i wasn't able to handle yeah and if you're doing like an eight ball of coke a day to get down and weight well, i probably... didn't do that but... <laughs> <laughs> that's probably not good either nothing in that sense but yeah i mean i don't disagree with you i mean yeah. this whole thing was it was difficult and it was uh it was one of those things where you kind of do and you're like oh fuck me freddie shouldn't have done that mm-hmm. what do you mind talking about what exactly happened like do you remember the thoughts going on no i just remember i got depressed for a while and uh it was just difficult just to even look in a mirror i mean i'll honestly like uh it was just hard to even see yourself like self-hatred kind of thing not even that it was something else it was just hard to accept that this is your new image imagine if one day you're going from one weight and literally almost a month or two later i was 50 pounds less I would be happy. It, it's odd. Not even like I, I dropped fifty pounds in close to a month. Mm-hmm. That was a difficult thing to handle psychologically. You would you would think you'd be happy, and I was. Yeah, because you were trying for that. Yeah, yeah. And then I I had uh, I mean I had done something I'd never done. I started womanizing, um, which was a blast, admittedly. <laughs> uh, but I'm sure you've got some uh, some stories, some dating stories. Oh, tons are great. Uh, and that must be a trip too, because all of a sudden the the reaction you're getting from people in general is yeah, yeah, so yeah, different. Yeah, I, you get more female attention, which I'd never gotten before, and so it was on. Or at least I have gotten, but I've never gotten it uh, to that point. Right. That sense of um, you know male acceptance, where I mean, just psycho again, just and I think anyone listening to this, especially if you're a guy, you're uh, the sense of romantic acceptance is high. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's on. Yeah, and it changes how you feel. Yeah. 
But that is also a good thing. It was. Uh, I mean, not really. There's an underlying factor of like um, misogyny. There was toxic masculinity because I was working out so hard. I, uh-huh. I mean, chemically, I think I just built up a lot of endorphins. And um, Do you have like testosterone rushing through your body? That's what it was, I think. Uh-huh. It was... Uh, I'm not excusing my behavior. I never did anything um, that would be unacceptable. But I, did you start hanging out at sports bars? No, I, I definitely just picked up women to sleep with them. That was it. Yeah, but, that was something I did without. I mean, just. But there's nothing wrong do. with that. I know. I think it's not, but it's still something that. Looking back, I'm like I could have just met some of these girls and just dated them. That would have been nice. Well, if it's consensual, what does it matter? Maybe they don't want to date. Good point, right? Yeah. I didn't know their perception, but that's something I didn't really get to know them. It would be like. Uh, I would sleep with women on the first date. Mm-hmm. That was definitely my thing for a while. It was just like um, hooking Maybe. up with someone on the first date. And if not, it didn't matter to me at all. Right. Well, it would make sense. Like if you were getting all this extra attention you never got before that you want to make up for lost time. Essentially, yeah. But I didn't, again, I don't really, I'm not praising those actions. If anything, I'm kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, if anything, I'm condoning them. Yeah, why uh, is this like some leftover 1950s stuff where you're like, no, I don't know what it was. It was just something I would, I've never gotten that attention. It was exciting. It was fun. Yeah, it was new. But looking back, I'm like, I could have gone to know a lot of these girls where it was. It was I would have preferred to date some of them, just because I've never really had a long term girlfriend before. So it'd be nice to like get to know someone and connect with a couple people. Right. It did a lot of damage, I think, to me emotionally because I didn't really understand what I was doing. It was more like I was just jumping into something. I felt like a teenager, basically. Right. And this is back when I was like 28 or something. So like mm-hmm. it was, it was, uh, how old are you now? Who knows? Anyway, so <laughs> it was last year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like, uh, it was, it was just, it was a new me. Yeah. And I wasn't ready for it, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the problem. You think maybe all the testosterone from lip w- working out? <laughs> Possibly. I mean, there, there are a lot of factors. I mean, any underlying factors. I mean, psychologically, uh, there are like, uh, there's testosterone. There's a sense of uh, validation. There was a change in me physiologically. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were just so many things that played into it. And I think that's what it was. It was too much at once. Uh, I wasn't ready for it for sure. I think if looking back, I could change anything. I'd I'd go a little slower. Right? You think you were like getting high on the buzz of all the attention? Kind of. I'm, I'll be honest with you. But it was. I mean, it yeah. was. I mean, it is what it is. There's nothing I can do now about it. But it was. It was very interesting. Of like, oh shit, you can kind of see why people, besides the health effects, which were of course it was unhealthy to go that fast. You're not supposed to lose that weight that much fast. But part of it was the, the uh, emotional attachment to everything where um you're just not ready for that stuff mm-hmm. not ready for the, all the changes kind of i wasn't ready for any uh anything in general i wasn't ready for the i was going from one personality to the other and i wasn't ready for any of it did you kind of stop working out after you lost the weight a little bit um part of it was just because i was tired and then part of it was i'd gotten I just done with it. You know what I mean? I was just like, mm-hmm. this is it. I'm done. This well, is not. Well, and I wonder if it's just a chemical withdrawal or something, because I know addicts will exchange uh, their addictions for running. Like you get all these endorphins from yeah. aerobic exercise, yeah, yeah. and they're similar to drug use. So maybe you're just getting high on all these endorphins. It's from possible. Out. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I can't say the exact psychiatric reasons for it. I mean, I'm not a doctor anyway, but the uh i can tell I'm not, you I my play experience one on a i mean do you yeah you, have you used before heroin I, no i just play one on a, on mm. a podcast <laughs> <laughs> i've never uh i've never done hard drugs before which is like fun mm-hmm. the idea of it but I, i've never even been attracted to the idea of hard drugs it's kind of like eh. mm. i just think it's uh too much yeah what, what's what's your uh I do want to talk to you about more details, but let's let's get away from that for a sec. What's your what's your background? Were you born here? Uh, I was born here. My family's from Colombia, mm-hmm. so they're mom South American. And yeah, mom and dad. They're both from Colombia. They um, met here. Um, funny enough, they're cousins. It's kind of gross. 
Really? Like first cousins? I swear to God. They're like fourth cousins or something. Oh, that, well, that's like in the safety zone. Is it? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <Still weird. laughs> what am I going to say about that? I'm like, oh, they're cousins. They made me. I can't really knock it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, they're keeping in the family, which is kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. They, at least it's safer. <laughs> they <laughs> seem more used to it. I think the danger is, like, you're allowed to marry your first cousin here. What? In the States, yeah. It's no, legal. you're not. Shut up. <laughs> you serious? <laughs> yeah. No way. I don't believe you. Yeah. Uh, didn't Jerry uh, Lee, Jerry Lewis do it? Uh, he's rich. He's a little different when you're rich. <laughs> he could afford to marry his first yeah, cousin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when you're rich, I feel like you can do whatever you want. Ew. Can you marry your first cousin here? <laughs> yeah. Ew. Because it's not, uh, it's not dangerous. Ew. Well, it's, all, it's a little dangerous. It's like some percent. Oh, gross, <laughs> man. I'm okay with not doing that. You just relax. You're, Daniel's lying down on the couch with what, the mic. That's it. It's that's a soft awesome. couch. I'm not complaining. That's good. You're the first lying down. Now I really feel like a shrink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel like I'm on the spot. Yeah, yeah. All right, so you were you born here? Yeah. Yeah, I was born here. I was raised in Jackson Heights, Queens. I have a twin sister. And, uh, you have a we twin were, sister? Yeah, yeah. We were raised in a little impoverished neighborhood, uh, Jackson Heights, Queens. It was uh, it was interesting, to say the least. Where's your twin sister? Uh, now or yeah. like in general? I'm not asking for personal reasons. Uh, well, she... <laughs> Uh, and where is she like yeah. Yeah, she lives with she my do? mom well she's she's uh she's going back to school she's trying to get her degree mm-hmm. again or her master's or whatever and then she's uh, not a comedian no no i think she's a normie which is kind of fun yeah well, that's yeah, kind of yeah. nice yeah yeah it's a blast she had uh we're different personality types i think when you're someone told me once about like something about twins is that they uh develop almost uh polar opposite personality types hmm do you feel i, I wish i kind of wish i had a twin just to experience it for like a month What's it like? Do you feel this chemical? You have connection? someone there. I think as kids, we were, and I don't know how open you are to this idea or anyone even listening with it. It's going to be like, that's stupid. But uh-huh. uh, as kids, you uh, we used to feel each other's pain. It was weird. We were like five like or vicariously, six. you can... Kind of. I remember her and I would exchange stories all the time of like, hey, did you fall today? And she's like, yeah. I was like, oh, I felt it. Wow. Shit like that. Like, I believe that. We would have that multiple times where it happened. And I was just like, I don't know. I mean, what do you want to say like about that? That's just like something kids do. I'm not sure if it was in our heads, but it was like I totally something. believe that. I've had that happen where like I felt something happen to a friend. And I've called them and they're like, yeah, that did. It's strange. It's kind of an odd thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Again, I don't know what the... It's the fourth dimension. Oh, God. It's like the the deep spiritual <laughs> connection to everything around you. I don't want to talk about that. That's just a different thing altogether. But uh, I don't know if it was childhood folly. And we were just being like, yeah, 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 whatever. But I remember we would have those conversations all the time as kids. Yeah. Constantly, you, still, you don't feel it anymore with her. No, it's on. I mean, we're just You're older like, now. Oh, I felt penetrated yesterday. Did you have sex? Ew, gross. <laughs> <laughs> that would get kind of awkward, my pee pee huh? hole got wider. <laughs> um, I don't. Did um, you do anal yesterday? Yeah, yeah. ew. <laughs> but there's that there's that thing, um, and I feel like again, this is a different barrier. I I don't want to go into it deeply, but. For some reason, I've, I've heard that you know children are more open to a spiritual connection than adults. That does not surprise me. It's odd where kids are more receptive to something else than if there is paranormal activity to whatever degree. I don't know what you believe in. I don't know what mm-hmm. you, one way or the other. I'm not saying it exists. I'm just saying if there is some level of it, then children are the ones more receptive to that. Oh, acceptance. definitely. Well, kids are more open in general. That's because why they're they deeper learn. to the spectrum. Yeah, exactly. They could learn quicker. Hundred percent. Adults develop these ball, these war, you know, walls and oh, hundred percent. You're because you're blocking yourself off to the idea of it first. Mm-hmm. You're like, here, check out this app, and they're like, ah, what do I do? Yeah, I'm not ready for this. And kids are like, boop, boop, press buttons. Yeah, and, exactly. They're open for it right away. Yeah, it's very interesting idea. Where the whole thing works. Call that beginner's mind. Yeah, yeah. That's is that what it is? Yeah, beginner's mind. There's a. That's why a management of a restaurant or a company will often just, if they want to change things, when new management comes. They they wipe everyone out and they get rid of everybody. That makes sense because you you uh, it's the that yeah, I, we, I think we've all seen examples of it of like someone with a cup. If you have, your cup is full, mm-hmm. you can't fill it with more. Right. But if it's an empty cup, you could fill the cup up with the ideas. Yeah, and if you're used to doing things a certain way, it's hard for you to it's change like, it over. It's harder to unlearn than to learn. To learn makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It's it's that's a goal to stay in that beginner's mind with things. 
You ever take a break from stand-up, like a week and not do a show or a mic? Um, rarely. I've done a week or two, maybe every two or three years. Mm-hmm. I did that recently. And, uh, did you? Yeah, and it was really nice. No, I don't. You know what it is? I don't really do anything past stand-up. So it's become a lot of my life. It's become what I've done. Mm-hmm. I like it. You're out every night. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was... just don't do anything else at nighttime besides that. Yeah, but you know how it gets with a bit that you're working on it has a life it's like a it's like a human life it's like starts off in its infancy then it gets really ripe and it's like perfect it's in its prime and then if you keep doing it it goes and it loses something it loses that that charm or that magic mm. if you do it too much no i mean for me it's more of an idea of getting better getting better mm-hmm. i passed the point of romance a long time ago um and now it's become a sense of discipline where I'm working hard constantly. Mm-hmm. How long have you been at it? A couple years. <laughs> I just believe that. That's, that's pretty vague. Yeah, well, I mean. Maybe let's go with a few since a couple is two, where a few is uh, three Fine, more. a few years. Isn't that better? <laughs> I, I'm no, I know you've been doing it longer than me. How long have you been doing it for? Uh, a little more than five years. Yeah, now. I've been doing it longer than you. Yeah, right. But I also don't have much to show for it. I have like one or two credits, and um, and this overwhelming sense of dread. Mm-hmm. What's the dread about? I don't know. I mean, said it was fun because it's it's an art form. It's not. Yeah, totally. It's not. Um, you don't really get paid for it, and I've never wanted to get paid for it. I never wanted to make a ton of money in it. The whole point of doing stand up comedy or any art form really is to make something without who cares about the monetary value don't think that i'm not stupid i know the worth of something but it's i'm not also uh i'm not foolish either i'm not under any guise of sense of like this is my dream this is just i don't see it like that and i don't think anyone should i think you should see it as more something you do for the process exactly you enjoy the process Fuck the i mean fuck the, the phrase the process but just the idea of like this is what i do i don't do this for a dream of being famous. I do this because it's who I am and what I do. Right, but you are working towards getting better at it. Absolutely. And each year I do admittedly make more money at it than the year before. Right. I mean, I you know, I went from the first couple of years I would go from negative money to started making a profit and then each year I feel like I make more and more money. Mm-hmm. And again, it's still dismal. The money I make is nothing, but it's still money. Right, but it's a few thousand dollars here and there. Yeah, and there's also like a big jump of like once you get some notoriety, and then all of a sudden you're making... Oh, of course. You get buzz and people kind of flow around you, things like that. Mm-hmm. You get a following of friends, you get a following of people, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, when did you figure out you wanted to do stand-up? I was seven, and I used to watch seven. Comedy Central. And I would watch these guys on TV, and I just knew like, that's what I wanted to do more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Who was it that, that inspired um, you? I mean, I would just watch Comic View. I'd watch all these comics looking back. I remember their bits and like things they would do, um, the way it was polished. It was an interesting dynamic of how they set it up. And I just, I don't know. It was It's a feeling in your heart almost. You're like, that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. That thing he's doing right now is the thing I'm going to do. Yeah. Did anyone, her. were you funny in school? No, I was never the... The super funny guy. I was just always the guy. I always tried to be silly and goofy and stuff like that. I did that. I was always the goofy guy in a group, or I was the guy that would say crazy shit uh, right. in the group. I was never the funny guy. Mm-hmm. The, I feel like the funny guy is is one of those guys where they they um, those are the guys that never do stand up. Why? Why do you think that? I don't know. I mean, I just I feel like they're the ones that always end up like handyman somewhere in like Wichita, Texas, or whatever. Like they don't. <laughs> they they're the ones they never do it uh i've always i've met a bunch of funny guys and they just don't do it i think the people who become comics uh sketch writers the whole nine they're they're the ones that were um you know the goofballs or they're the ones that uh even the quiet ones they Mm -hmm. become the comics they're it's never the funny guy interesting ever ever yeah the funny guy or girl is never the comic Ever, which is kind of odd. I you you would think the other way around, but it's always the other people, the goofballs and the quiet ones become the comics and yeah. the sketch writers and, and the writers in general. Were you trying to get your twin sister to do something with you? Uh, I mean, I've I've asked her if she ever wanted to try something with me, but she's always turned it down. It's just not her thing. Yeah, 
Plus, I mean, I, and I know I'm not stupid. I mean, I know how long stand-up takes and how hard it is and how many years of of development it takes just to even get a baseline idea of what is truly funny. It yeah. takes years, I mean, admittedly. Um, and I feel like I didn't start getting laughs until like four years in. You know what I mean? Like that kind of weird thing. Mm-hmm. Where now it's consistent. I can say I consistently deliver a certain product. Whether or not it's amazing is different to the person perceiving it. But uh uh, I mean, right, that, you reach new standard levels. Yeah, hundred percent. And I can say, like, it's almost like I, I, I talked to someone about this one day. I'm like, where I feel like it's a scale. Like, mm-hmm. you would pay to see me. I can say you would pay to see me, and you would leave happy, but you might not pay to see me again. Mm, that, that's uh, where some, you feel like you're at. Exactly. And mm-hmm. some before though, I was at the you wouldn't pay to see me, and before that is you wouldn't see me. Like, there's a level. There's levels to it. So the next level is you pay to see me and you pay to see me again. Yeah. Do you remember now, your first time? Uh, yeah. How'd it go? Oh, it was terrible. Open mic? It was god awful. Yeah, of course. What happened? You didn't, you didn't do well on your first time? No, I did okay. It was, uh, I was wearing these uh, aviator glasses and I wore them on stage and everyone laughed. It was a weird, like, stupid, I don't know why I wore them. It was so stupid. Yeah. I came up with like Chris Zafano and Nico White, all those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nico White, Pudge Fernandez, uh, a few guys that quit too. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if you know uh, Jason uh, Salmon and uh, uh, anyone else that. Even Pete Davidson was around too at that time too. He was doing Broadway and his he was Broadway Comedy Club. Yeah, he was doing Broadway Comedy Club, and he was like. Bouncing around and mm-hmm. being seen by people too. Well, he's pretty young. I mean, he wouldn't at the time he was even he was like ten years younger than I was. Well, he's still young now, but like yeah. he was even more young back then. I mean, clearly. Wow, he must have started real early. Yeah, I think he was like thirteen or something. Wow. Yeah, he was he was real young, and of course the story passed around that his dad died nine eleven. It was like a big deal mm-hmm. for him emotionally. Yeah, that's good. Gets people talking. That's part of it. Yeah. You can get back, sorry. People can sum you up. You're like, who is this person? You still got to be funny. True. Yeah. But still, though. <laughs> so you started in New York. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I started here. Um, little club that's not open around now, Laugh Lounge. Mm-hmm. Um, and that club shut down. What were you? Were you barking for spots? Yeah, I would do a show here and there. I'd do bringer shows. I would do a thing. The owner one time was like, I'll watch you. Come by. Like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It was one of those clubs. It was, it was an urban club. It was one of the few urban clubs in New York City at the time. And where, now where there was, was like it? a few, but not anymore. Where was Laugh Lounge? It was downtown by the Lower East Side on Rivington. It was like 172 Rivington or something like that. Uh-huh. It's uh, Now it's a restaurant, but the... At the, at the time, it was a it was a club. It was a good place to. And you said it was an urban club. Yeah. So as a Colombian, where do you stand in that? I. What do you want to say? I mean, what do you mean? Like, do you do you fit in? Are you considered? I don't. I don't know. Comic? I mean, how would I? I don't really think my material is urban. Urban. I feel like it fits more to the alternative scene slash the independent scene slash the uh, club scene where I could fit in those sectors. Urban seems a little harder, but not impossible. Uh, for me, I you know whenever I'm doing urban room, I always feel like I can I you define a, urban comedy for listeners. I don't. I wouldn't know how to do it. I mean, there's just so many sectors of stand up mm-hmm. where I think the average person wouldn't be able to break it down. But of course, we can if you say something. There's uh, in my interpretation of the New York City comedy scene. There's the independent scene, mm-hmm. urban scene. There's the alt scene. There's deep alt, and <laughs> there's club scene. Right. Where I think that's and then uh, each club has its own. Kind of and of course, each club has yeah. even the club scene like has breaks down a little bit of like a little more open to new ideas, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, what we would interpret as alternative is just more modern comedy that's not meant for general audiences. When some, and what I would interpret as club comedy is something that's meant for a wide range of audiences, which happens. It's not their fault half the time because some of these people get no stand-up at all. I mean, we hear j- dick jokes every day, right? So after a while, you get tired of it. And the evolution is, you get tired of a dick joke, right? Uh, and then you kind of go, I don't want to talk about dicks anymore. I'm going to talk about tables. like you, Because you're annoyed by so many dick jokes because there's only so many variations on dick jokes you can right. do. So you start talking about joking about tables and people are like, I don't want to hear jokes about tables. But some people have also been bombarded by comedy and they're, or some people have don't want to hear dick jokes and they kind of go, oh, jokes about tables? That's refreshing. Like that, 
that's the idea of alternative. Yeah, well, it depends on how much comedy you've been exposed to. Exactly, that too. Uh, independent, I would uh, do, say, is more the, the bar scene show or more the independent shows that are out there. Um, club scenes are all the clubs, of course. Urban scenes are more like, oh, God, and that's it's, it's just a difficult to say, but it's more like, um, I feel like... It's more high energy. Kind of. More uh, interactive. Yeah. yeah be very yeah. common. People yell the, back. You tend to have black rooms. You tend to have Hispanic rooms. You tend to be in hood areas, things like that. Mm-hmm. They're, they tend to be a little, the audience tends to be a little tougher. Uh, the material that would work there would work in a club and independent room, but not necessarily an alternative or deep alt room. Deep alt room, of course, I would, I would designate as uh, things that are just super off the grid. You think adult swim. Right, right. Adult Swim is a perfect label for like a deep alt room where it kind of it kind of blurs the line between comedy and maybe performance art. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's how comedy is broken down in the stand. That might be the polar opposite of a urban room. Yeah, very plausible. (laughs) But it doesn't mean it wouldn't work. It just it's different. Yeah, you would have to. It would have to work just somehow. somehow. Yeah. There's some. I mean, it's very hard to do all. It's difficult as a community to be able to do all the rooms. Mm-hmm. Just because your style has to be evolving, or I mean, just the sheer difficulty in doing being able to do any of those rooms is just well, you have to be like multi personality, absolutely, yeah, or at the very least, write material that's so relatable to everyone that it, you could, but even then, that's difficult, yeah. So, where do you see yourself? I mean, you're a pretty high energy comic, yeah. I can, like I said, I can do most, if not all, rooms, say for maybe deep alt rooms, like. And even deep alt rooms, I can always do material that's macabre, and I feel like that works there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm at a club, I would do more general stuff. If I'm in uh, independent room, I can flow between macabre and normal. I, you know, if I'm in an urban room, I can't really do macabre, but I can do crowd work and mm-hmm. I can do uh, generic jokes. So I, I feel like I can do. Uh, I'm one of those comics I can do all rooms but one of the reasons for that which is also a detrimental factor I don't necessarily have one style of voice it constantly keeps evolving which is not necessarily a good thing when you want to market yourself as a product mm-hmm. when you have one voice one product when you're an idea right you can sell that idea but if you're constantly evolving it's not a good thing necessarily right they and say once people can imitate you easily then you're on to something. Exactly. Yeah. Like Jerry Seinfeld. What's exactly. The deal with exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People, but it's almost like you have to make yourself a caricature. Simplify it. Essentially. You, yeah. you simplify your identity into this very simple caricature for stage. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Well, so you're working on a goal. Are you trying to become good at all rooms? Uh, I mean, it wouldn't, be a bad thing mm-hmm. to be able to do all rooms uh mm-hmm. why would that be bad no it wouldn't be bad but it's tricky because you're not like honing in on an industry. that's the catch but you're still performing and you're still developing an idea um i guess i just want to be as good as possible as a comedian um and not break myself down into a certain factor even if it comes to being as general as possible, that would be fun and entertaining too. With all these different rooms, do you think about it in terms of style or bits? Like, are there certain bits that work? Both. Both, uh-huh. Yeah, but I don't have a discernible style either. But that's, that goes back to the idea of why I can do all the rooms is because I don't necessarily have one style. Every time I've seen you, you pretty much have a style. You're High pretty, energy, yeah. yeah, but that's it. And broken down into basic formatted jokes, it's not necessarily impressive though. Uh, I think you're selling yourself short. Mm. I think you're high energy. A little there's like a frantic energy, possibly. But you're also very likable on stage, which is key. I try. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes high energy people aren't likable, and they have an antagonistic relationship with the audience. Well, yeah, and I've done that before. I've I've dealt into that before too. Mm-hmm. Like when the audience isn't responding. Yeah. You lash out. Yeah, I've done that before. Yeah. What happened? You have a story there? No. I mean I I mean we all dealt with hecklers, but nothing I can yeah. say this heckler stands out more than that one. I could just say this happened and that didn't. Yeah. I it's, mean even now I feel like a little more like laid back. In the second right now, like I'm like, Hey old chill, baby. Well yeah, you're lying down on the couch. This, <laughs> this is a very comfortable couch, by the way. <laughs> um, did you ever get physically attacked or threatened 
Yeah, yeah. Actually, one time I was in Virginia on a road gig with Max Cohen and Dave Zach, or I think he goes by Mike Holland now, uh, and the Master Hoffman does it. But the uh, so we were on a, this guy had come up to us after the show. He's pretty drunk, mm-hmm. and he went to go stab Max Cohen with a knife. Yeah, Just he didn't him. have no. He didn't have a knife. He had a knife, but I think he missed it, and he did a stabbing motion into Max. It was very, and I had to pull him away from him. It was very like it was one of those times. Was like looking back, it was like, oh, that guy could have killed Max. Uh, there was like blood, and we did the road gig. It was blood on the ironing board. There was blood on the beds. Like shit had happened in that small road gig. It was crazy. Wait, why was the guy upset at Max? I don't remember. He was just trashed. The guy was trashed. Yeah. And where was this blood? Virginia Beach Comedy Club, I think. At the there time, there was blood in the club. No, there was blood in the hotel we stayed at. Whoa. Yeah, it was insane. Like in the room? <coughs> yeah. Did you ask for a new room? No. We just like, we're like, oh, whatever, blood, who cares? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we ended up, yeah, hanging out afterwards at the strip club. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Virginia Beach? Yeah. Nice. It was a neat place. It was just outside Virginia Beach for the the hotel. Did the uh, guy have a problem with his set? Like, why I don't, did he... I legit don't remember. We just, I yeah. pulled him away. He was drunk and he fucked off. Yeah. I got. I got threatened. I was at LOL and uh, yeah, I did yeah. a 9-11 joke and this guy just ye- yelled back at me like, I'll fucking kick your ass. And then I started going back at him and I looked and it was like a midnight show. He was all alone, drunk and a big guy with a beard. Holy shit. And, you know, I was pretty new there at the time. I didn't know what the deal was if management was going to protect me or what. Did they... Do did they protect you guys oh don't name clubs I, you should bleep that out but the club name but no they, they actually did they were really good about it management really? came over to him yeah and we're like told him to you know be quiet or get out they were on it holy hell yeah i was very relieved because uh i kept going with material i like laid off him and i kept going with material but all the while i'm holding the mic i'm doing material and i'm thinking of what i'm gonna do if he runs at me and i have it all figured out what are we going to do? All right, so this is what you do if someone's attacking you on stage. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the mic. I'm going to toss the mic like a softball. Just toss it to the person running at you. Then you grab the mic stand like it's a bat. Oh, and you, grab it, you slam it. And you swing it around right at their head. And if you toss them the mic, they'll be distracted. They might like in- instinctively go to catch, catch it. the mic. Yeah, so yeah. then I'll grab the stand, and hopefully it's a stand with one of those big metal bases. <laughs> ah, that's great. So I was doing material and like trying to make the audience feel less awkward uncomfortable because yeah, you're being yelled at by some creep yeah and then i was like this is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna smash him in the face with this mic stand jesus christ and then luckily and he kept kind of he heckled a couple more times like i'll fly an airplane in your ass like a couple things that's and, a pretty damn good <laughs> real real heckle. deep yeah it's yeah. great and then uh management came over and kicked him out uh, they didn't kick him out. They just told him to be quiet, and he's he was quiet. Then I was like pretty scared getting off stage. Looking back, I pretty much performed at every club, and I've had hecklers at every single one at least once. Mm-hmm. You've never been scared. Not, I was. I, that's the most I've ever I've, been scared. I've been threatened, um, and I thought to myself, "Holy oh, shit, this guy's in a swing." Yeah. But I've never been scared, scared because each time I'm like, I'm on stage. There's a certain level of protection because you're in front of. 30 people no one's gonna like let someone get beat up in front of 30 people you'll be like yeah, but you're also much more intimidating than me i'm oh. like a skinny artsy looking kid guy <laughs> i just know? i just have a threatening vibe to me of like anger and sadness you got tattoos oh and some muscles yeah and you got some muscles so yeah, but you're taller than i am how tall are you just about six foot oh, that doesn't mean anything i'm five six tall and skinny it doesn't yeah. matter doesn't so what's up with i'm bulky you have salvador dali on your arm what's yeah. up with that uh, I had a fever dream a couple years ago. A fever dream? Yeah, it was a fever dream. What is a fever dream? I don't know. It's something like a sense of... <laughs> again, this goes back to like challenging ideals here uh, with everyone. Like the... Um, uh-huh. um, I, how do I say this without sounding weird? But the You could sound weird. What is weird? I don't know. I had... Um, Normies are weird. A few dreams where like I'd seen things and like... Things that were just crazy. Mm-hmm. And then I, I was like, let me just get them tattooed in my body. Just because of a dream. Kind what of. What happened in the dream? 
was Salvador Dali in the dream? They were haunting memories and images. I didn't want. I don't want to go into detail, but it, but Salvador Dali was in the dream. Uh huh. The dreams were haunted, haunted memories. Kind of real memories or like dream fabrication. Things I saw. Things you saw from your past or like hallucinations. Hallucinations, um, I think. And they weren't drug induced either. They were just normal dreams that just haunted me for a while, and I was mm-hmm. just like, "That's it." And I wanted to get some reprieve. It was odd. So getting the tattoo it helped a little bit psychologically. Uh huh. Yeah. There's that sense of logic. I mean, and illogic where um, we're all like. So again, this goes back to spirituality, and I don't know how anyone feels about that crap or like that. We, to, we all it, need it. Some it's sort up to the it. interpreter. Whatever you feel like you believe or whatever horse shit like that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that feeling for me. It, yeah. it gave me some kind of emotional reprieve. Getting the tattoo or having yeah, the tattoo? getting the tattoos. I don't have any tattoos. Is also, they look kind of cool. <laughs> is there something to getting a tattoo? Like, is there a bit of a, a cutter kind of thing? No, no. If anything, I don't like the pain. I don't uh-huh. like the, the pain that comes with it. Um... Uh, you just like the way you're, you're improving your body. Like It's like working out. You put them on and you kind of go like, oh, nice. And then people do. And I have gotten multiple comments, multiple women, multiple guys. I'm like, oh, they look nice. That kind of thing. Right. What do you, it's like, it's, it's like going to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> you do it because you want other people. Everyone says it's for them, but it's not. It's kind of for other people, to be honest. Well, if it was for- up to any of us, we really would all be fat. You only go to the gym and I'll, work I'm gonna out partially, because... Mm. I'm going to partially agree with you. Because, you know, if you eat too much, you feel uncomfortable. That's true, too. Fine. You know, you but get, if, you, you, get to if you do it to the point where it's just right, it's perfect. Yeah. Right. Overeating a little bit. Exactly. It's nice. <laughs> it is nice. <laughs> so, <coughs> you, have a, you have like a... What so you're not you're not you're being evasive you're not you're being see I called you mysterious when we first started and this I am is what secretive. I'm talking about. Admittedly, I'm secretive and a little divisive and a little uh, ambiguous in certain things. Yes. And okay. I've, I've gotten that uh, critique from a few girlfriends and a few uh, people who have been close to me. Uh huh. Admittedly, I just it's who I am. I I always evade a little bit. Yeah. Why? <clears throat> I don't know. What am I going to say? You're going to evade that question? <laughs> I don't know. That's the thing. We're like, it's just natural. I think part of it was uh, maybe the way I was raised. My mother was always very secretive. And uh, because of that, I think that's what, subconsciously, I think that's what laid into me. Was yeah. The secrecy aspect of everything. Even if it's just nothing. It's just who I am. I just happen to be a secretive person. Right? You- I keep multiple layers in multiple rooms, things like that. Is your mom, your, so your mom's Colombian, is she, was she born here, or are you first no, generation? No, no, I'm first generation. She was nice. not born here in any way, shape, or form, uh, but she was always very poor, so when you're poor, you have to control the most resources you can and mm-hmm. try and divide them up amongst the family that has nothing, so she did that the best she could, and she just happened to keep all the cards close to her chest. Mm. She never made a move that was public. She was always very secretive about everything. What, 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 what would she do for a living? laundromat attendant believe it or not uh-huh uh ambition she was never that but she had still done everything she could to raise our family yeah did she speak english no not she does but it's like really bad english yeah well i mean that's still hard work you know yeah so you are first generation yeah. paraffin paraffin yeah what does that mean uh what do you mean does that have a meaning, paraffin? What's as far the- as I know, no. It's just the last name. It's a surname that we have, and that's it. I never attach to the ideals of my cultural past, where, save for where I'm from. I mean, I, I did, but I didn't. Um, my, you know, I, I attach to the idea I'm Hispanic because it, it's who I am, but I've never attached myself to the ideal of... Being Colombian? I kind of. I have, but then I haven't. I don't like the idea of being American. I don't like the idea of being 100% the other way either. Uh, it's just something I do. Are you transcending nationality? Is that what's happening? In the sense of what? Oh, that just sounds so douchey. <laughs> I just, I'm. Are I, you just an earthling? Oh, God. It just exists. How about that? Is that possible to say? Have you been to Colombia? Yeah, multiple times. Oh, you have? Yeah, it's great. It's a so great you, place. You go back? Oh, yeah. Um, anytime I you, can afford it. You have hard. family there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My whole family's there. My only my nuclear family's here. Oh, cool. What's it like? I've never been. Some cousins too. Um, it's amazing. My family's from the mountains, so like they're 
it's incredible. I mean, there there's wildlife, there's Amazonian forest, there are giant plants, things that fit over your head. There's how's the culture bugs different? and scorpions that will kill you. It's like living in a small town. That's what it was because they were from the mountains, so it's a small town. So right. it's basically a small. It's literally like a small town feel. Same like a small town USA, only in the mountains of Colombia. Is there a stand up there? Uh, there's a form of stand up on television, yes, and it's more vaudevillian than it is stand up generic. Mm. all the comics there and their stand-up comedy it's vaudevillian and even the political shows are a little more vaudevillian too they have puppets they use stuff like that for so even the, like the, the daily show of columbia yeah to that format to that effect uses puppets they so even have blackface which is weird really yeah but it's not i don't i don't think they find it racist down there it's weird right so it's more silly almost like yeah British. yes 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 yeah. that's a perfect way to describe it yeah british humor is more silly yeah yeah it's more silly or mm. it's like uh um, I think British humor has things like their extremes. It's either super witty or super downplayed. It's odd. Right, yes. Yeah, like the, um, what's that show? Absolutely Fabulous? Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, yeah, same thing. We're like, mm-hmm. it's a mix of witty and also it's downplayed for some reason. Right. So, uh, do you mind if I ask you? I'm curious about the details of the attempted suicide. Go ahead. What, how did you do it? I had uh, I'd popped a bunch of pills and drugs, um, sleeping pills. Looking back, I didn't know what grade of sleeping pills I needed to use. Uh, someone told me. They were like, yeah, you fucked up. You used over-the-counter stuff. So but I took like 30 pills. It was weird, and I woke up in the middle of the night. I thought I was going to die, and it felt like everything was irradiating from my body. It was an odd feeling. It was like the highest I've ever been. Do you remember the thoughts going on in your head before you... Yeah, I wanted to die. That's it. I didn't really want to live. Where were you? I was home. My apartment. Do you have, do you have roommates? Yeah, yeah. Were they home at the time? One was. Did you want to reach out to them? No. I didn't like them that much. Mm-hmm. I was just lonely. Going through this intense psychological change... I didn't have anyone to talk to. And, um, you know, I just went for it. It was a learning curve. I mean, I was like looking back now, I'm like, I'm never going to do it ever. Yeah. Now it's like, oh, fuck that. That's never going to be something I do again. Right. But at the time, it was new to me. It was, I, it seemed like a logical conclusion to this deep emotional and psychological change that I assumed was. Uh, the end well at some point in your mind it must have seemed rational yeah 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 i mean that that was part of it part of it too it felt like i was like oh this is the end for sure this is so much intense change and after my entire life i've never had that much change at one time it felt like a new beginning so i felt like the end of a of a story mm-hmm. i think that's the way i interpreted it logically where like i was like this is it i'm done had you had those thoughts before no, I mean, we all get depressed. Yeah. But it was the first time I ever acted on them. Mm-hmm. I mean, any comic can tell you they fucking get mind-numbingly depressed, right? It's not. Yeah, most of us. Hard to believe. Yeah. We all get sad, even suicidal a little bit, but you kind of go, you brush those thoughts off like, eh, who cares? Yeah, there's uh, this essay where this person jumped off. Of, you hear this a lot, actually. People that jump off buildings or whatever, they always regret it right when they jump. Really? Yeah, almost always. How do you, but how do they know if they don't live? Well, you, we only hear from the ones that live. Oh, so the second they jump off. Yeah, if they've lived, they said, right when I jumped and I knew I couldn't pull myself back, I instantly regretted it. That's interesting. Did you have any of that? No. No, I really wanted to die. At the time. It, uh, it was a lot. After you downed all the pills, were you like relieved? Were you just like, all right, was, now I have to wait? Yeah, that's what I, I remember thinking. Like, oh, come on, just die already. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a party that wanted to do something that you always wanted to do before you ended it? No. 
I think that's one of the reasons why I wouldn't is because there's so much, I'd be like, all right, well, then if I'm going to die, I got to do this because I've always wanted to do this and I got to do that. No, it's not the same thing. Don't forget because I did it out of depression. So right. when you do that kind of stuff out of depression, it's different. It's a different feeling. Yeah, it's just it overtakes you like a flu or something. Kind of. You, uh, because you're depressed, you're less willing to do stuff. Right. So everyone's, everyone always says, I'd rob a bank for it. I'm like, you wouldn't. No. Because you feel the weight of everything on you. This weight that um, comes with depression. So you took all these pills and then you woke up in the middle of the night. Yeah, I didn't know that that is pretty much only a cry for help. Uh, I thought it was a for sure way to kill myself at the time. And I woke up in the middle of the night, pissed, and it was a weird feeling I got. It was almost like I was high. And then I woke up the next morning, I remember thinking, fuck! Mm-hmm. And now was on. Like, I didn't succeed. Yeah. I'm still alive. Yeah. So what'd you do? I lived. I mean, what do you saying? Well, you ended up getting some help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that was with therapy and stuff like that. But that, I mean, it was uh, it was funny because these someone called uh, mobile crisis on me, uh-huh. and um, someone found out what you'd done. Kind of, yeah. Um, and to this day, I don't know who it was. And they called and they came. And I didn't know how the questions were formatted or stuff like that. And these guys were asking me questions like, are you depressed? I'm like, yeah. And then are you suicidal? I'm like, yeah. And they were like, well, legally we have to take you now. I'm like, oh, what? Right, because you admitted that. Yeah. And actually funny enough, I had a girl over at the time. Wait, you had a girl over at the time? Yeah, they were asking me questions. I just let them in. I was just depressed. I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. Oh, wait, not the same time you took all the pills. No, no, no. I had a girl over I was hooking up with at the time. The ne- was it the next day? What? When was it the next day? No, this was like a week later. Oh, okay. And I was just, I happened to have be hooking out with someone at the time, and uh, I was like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. It was a very funny story. I'm like, And then I had this big hunting knife in my house, and I had that go, I ran to go hide it. Yeah. So I didn't want the cops to find it. And then uh, <laughs> the girl had taken it and hid it somewhere and she was like yeah my sister gets depressed too don't worry and she hid it from me and i was like oh thank you sweetie you're so sweet that's a keeper yeah she was she was nice girls that'll hide a knife for you her name was rachel um she's jewish and the first time we hooked up i came inside her and she happened to be birth control we didn't use a condom and it was the first day we hooked up too it was a fun time with her did you plan b it no she she was on birth control oh she was on birth Mm mm-hmm did you just had a little slip up no no no. i've never thank god i've never gotten an abortion so did you did you post on facebook about the suicide is that why someone found out yeah yeah there was yeah that's how i found out about it. you posted pictures and stuff and then they brought you in an institution right yeah yeah because they again the cops they had to get involved so that i was forced to go Mm -hmm. and they were like if you don't come willingly we're gonna have you arrested i'm like fuck Oh, that's... I was wondering. Okay, so... Yeah, the police had to get involved, apparently, just because of three questions I answered incorrectly. Right. I should have been like, yeah, I'm depressed. I'm not suicidal. So there's a law on the books that says if I'm... Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yes. Wow. They, these are people, they're therapists, so they have to take you. Mm-hmm. So if you said, no, I'm not, you're not taking me to the institution, you would No, just... I tried. I said, no, you're not taking me. They were like, yeah, we're calling the cops. Then you they literally a... said that. Then you end up in a cell. Yeah. Funny enough. Or the prison ward of a fucking psychiatric hospital, which I can't imagine is any better. You're right. Yeah. So what what was the institution like? What did they do? It was creepy. I was in there for like three hours, and it was for those three hours. I was like, no, thank you. This you're, is not for me. You were only in there for three hours. Yeah, for a few hours. I was able to charm my way out of there. Thank God, because I'm charismatic as fuck. But the uh, <laughs> I'm likable. You started running material on the on the oh, shrinks. And no, the- I started just bullshitting with them and laughing, making them laugh, and they all kind of joked and laughed with me. And you know, they, I guess they, they were like, "Oh, he's not a real threat to himself. He's not or others, or he's a really good actor." One of the two. It and again, I wasn't 
at the I wasn't. I was just sad. It was just like I guess we're just being as comics we're used to being so bluntly honest. I'm like, oh you're suicidal, whatever. But it's not we're not for real suicidal. Right. We just feel suicidal, which is different than being suicidal. Right. It's more like being like thinking to yourself, oh, I want to kill myself is different than thinking to yourself, I'm going to go buy a gun to kill myself with. Those are two different emotions. One is more proactive than, than the other. Yeah. But you did. You did try. Yeah, but that was a week before. I mean, that, at that point, it was like the nexus. Again, the nexus point. I broke through. I lived. So it didn't matter. So when you lived and you woke up, you were disappointed. A little bit. But at the same time, I was like, okay, well, I, this is it. I tried that. That's not going to work. Now to do something else. And I never really... I've been to it felt suicidal after that but i'm like looking back i'm like i'm never going to act in those feelings again mm-hmm. i can say clearly in my head i'm like i'm not going to do it now yeah or ever again mm-hmm. just part of it part of it's embarrassment if you're not going to succeed but part of it's like no what's the fucking what are you going to kill yourself for that's stupid right that just sounds stupid and it's also like what i tell myself i'm sure i've said this before on the podcast because i just end up repeating myself but if i get really depressed I'll think, all right, what has changed in my life? Because I was exactly. happy a few days ago. Exactly. Part of it's chemical. I mean, even if you took pills all day, you find whatever antidepressants, who gives a shit. But it's not just that. It's more like you kind of, you have to step back and get out of your own head and be like, no, fuck that. Someone told me once the only real cure for depression is volunteering and helping others, which is funny. Mm. You would think like that. Right. It's literally that and lifting, lifting weights, like the two things that like, are legitimately on paper effective to cure depression. Do you consider stand-up comedy as a service in that way? No, you, hell no. Why don't. Would I, there's a sense of selfishness there that's crazy big. Uh, I kind of feel like it is. Like when I make a room laugh, that's such a gift to them. Yeah, but they don't. It's There's also a sense of, maybe because I'm interpreting it more as a sense of selfishness where I'm I'm being selfish, me, the person, because I want these feelings of endorphins and I want this happiness and I want this and that. Uh, yeah, so but what if I you flipped it around and were like, I'm here for them? I don't know. Uh, I'm not dissuading your interpretation. It's your interpretation. You can interpret it whatever you want. Yeah. Who am I to tell you one thing or the other? But aren't you there for them more than you're there for Technically, them? yes. Fine. Fair enough. 30 people are here to see us, to watch us, versus one of me is there for the 30 people. All right. Here, I have proof here. I want to prove it to you that you're there for them more than you. Check this out. Because if you're not doing well, if the audience is not on board... What do you do? You go to a bit that you know works. Yeah, but then you also, same thing the other way around too. When you know it's not working, sometimes you'll lash out at the audience. Yeah, but that's never good. Still though, and that <laughs> does happen sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, but it doesn't work. It doesn't get them Why? on your board. It doesn't get them on board with you. Mm. Unless you're Bill Burr opening for Metallica. That's the only time it's ever worked. <laughs> I've seen it work either way. You have? Yeah, I've seen it work. The angry turn. Uh-huh. I've, I've even done an angry turn, and it's worked. You did. So what? What made it work? Uh, the energy, the impulse, the sense of self. Yeah, I don't know. There could be a myriad of reasons. I mean, there's no real one defining factor to say this is why this worked here and this now, and maybe why it didn't work or won't work later on. Just mm-hmm. for some reason, that crowd is open to that interpretation of stand up. Right. Maybe because you probably like you have this jovial. Uh, comedic thing about Possibly. you. But some of the crowds are rowdy, so I've, I've lashed out at them and they've listened like, okay. Right. Sometimes you have to be rowdy and they're, if they're rowdy, you can be a tough asshole and you kind of go, fuck off. And they kind of go, all right, let me chill out with this guy. Yeah. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. 
So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Uh, part of it's a threat thing where they feel a little threatened and they're kind of going, all right, let me just listen to this guy and see what he has to say. Yeah. So you seem, you seem good now. Oh, yeah, more than good. It's not even a question. I'm not saying that was a, I'm not something as fucking weak as like, oh, you know the dark time in my life. Uh. It was just like a something I did and that happened. That's it. It's not a big deal. I never saw it as a big deal. I just more saw it like, oh, it's just something I did and that happened. Yeah. As, and I think that's anyone to just interpret that kind of like, if there is a dark time in your life, I think that's what you should see it is not, I'm sad. More like this is something I did at the time, and it happens. Yep, as anyone should. Mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, that's a real kind of life thing of like for it, where I was sad, and this happened, and I did that, and I shouldn't have, and that's it. Yeah, and you, you seem uh, pretty good. Well, yeah. I mean, we, again, it. we still get depressed. I mean, all of us still get sad, and we feel downtrodden. But it's not. It's never been to the point. I've never gone to the point where. I've been suicidal ever since past that point. Yeah. And I think that was a learning lesson for me of like, I'm not going to do this. Like, this is, that's just weird. That was like way too dramatic. Yeah. This is like, it really was like, Oh, what the fuck is wrong with me? Fucking bitch. <laughs> You're not that much of a drama queen. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of debt, uh, which I talk about openly on stage and that student, student debt, uh, credit card debt. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get openly, I talk about it all the time and I, I talk about being depressed about it, but I'm like, who gives a shit? The fuck is the worst that can happen? Mm-hmm. There's nothing terrible. Like, you, you put these weird thoughts in your head, like, and you're like, wait a second, who gives a fuck? Nothing fucking matters. A bad breakup, okay, it's gonna. You get over it. You get over it. It takes, you know, it could take months, it take a year if that happens. You know, I've, I've had a bad breakup like that before. But after a while, you kind of go, oh yeah, I'm fine. How long was that relationship? Uh, like a year plus. It wasn't that long. So that's a long-term girlfriend. You said earlier you never had one. I don't really count that. It's a long story. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've had long-term relationships end badly, and it's taken me months to get over it. Yeah. And, you know, uh, one time I had a girl say, look me in the eyes, and she was like, I regret getting into a relationship with you. And I was like, oh, well, that was painful. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, it stabbed me a little bit, but I kind of go, all right, well, that time to move on. Who cares? Right. You always move on. You do. You really do. Yeah. As much as you fuck around, you always move on. Time is magic. It's a, that time is the best thing in the world. Yeah. And you grow as a person and part of you kind of learns you're like, oh, I'm fine without this person or I'm fine without that thing in my life or I'm fine with this. I'm fine with $50,000 in debt. That's how much I owe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you I'm, ran up that much credit card phew, debt? Oh my God. I was just bad with money for a while. What were you living lavishly? Oh, it was amazing. <laughs> what were you buying uh everything and everything yeah it's like were you just going out for food and drinks or yeah, was yeah it? it was incredible i lived like a king for a year uh-huh why were you doing that i don't fucking know i was yeah. just spending i didn't really think long term i was like oh i'll be paid i'll pay this off don't worry it's not a good thing it's not a bad thing right and then after a while i was like oh i'm not gonna pay this off Right, but it wasn't like you were buying cars. And no, no, no. Fuck, if anything, I wish. I wish I, I've taken DMV lessons. I wish. Although, I spent $5,000 uh, learning how to fly an airplane, so I can do that. Oh, I just yeah. don't have the license for it. Yeah. Nice. So I can fly an airplane right now. <laughs> That's good. You never know when we No, you really, okay, you're fucking around, but yeah. I'm, uh, no, but we're trapped on an island here. If they close the bridges and tunnels. There's like, fucked, yeah. I'm going to call you and say, hey, let's. Yeah, but then where the fuck are we going to get an airplane from? We'll all find the one. all the airports, LaGuardia's on the all island. the airports are outside New Manhattan. LaGuardia's on the island, right? We got LaGuardia Airport here. We would have to get a small airplane, but yeah, we can do it. I don't you're, know how to fly big planes. You're our only hope. Yeah, <laughs> is there another comic that knows how to fly? No, good point. Fair enough. <laughs> you could save the whole comedy community right there in one <laughs> plane. But I also know how to fly only small planes. <laughs> all right, so I can't fly big you. planes. If there's a limited number of people, will you take me? Yes, of course. Because it is my idea, after all. Yeah, so you have to, like, you know, live up to it. All right. I have to be good to you? Basically. <laughs> so uh, what's next for you? Uh, what do you mean, what sense? Uh, you got some shows coming up? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have. Um, Where do people find out about these shows? Uh, I put them on Twitter. I put them on my Instagram all the time. Okay. Which Twitter? I'll be doing here. Um, I'll, I'll put a link. Links in the show notes. I'll put a link to your Twitter. How many viewers do you get? Viewers? No. Listeners. <laughs> Listeners. Depends. It varies on the really? episode. Yeah. How? Tell me. Ah, uh, it really <laughs> depends. It really varies by episode. It's pretty Seriously? wild, actually. Yeah. What's the most downloads you've ever gotten? How about that? <coughs> per episode, like total? Yeah. That's uh, maybe like 13,000. Holy shit, really? Yeah, total. I mean, it's been, oh, it's been total. a, po- I mean, been a how, podcast for like over two years. I now. mean, per episode. How about that? Uh, it really var- it varies wildly. It's kind of crazy. And then if you look at the, one of the early earlier episodes, I was doing these fake interviews. Like I did fake interviews with Louis C.K. and Jerry Seinfeld. Shut up. Yeah, it wasn't really them. But no, it gets of course not. Tons of hits. People still like really. Yeah. So if you search for Jerry Seinfeld on podcasts, this podcast comes up. Shut up. I'm not kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so that you know added a lot. So it's hard to know. That's funny. Yeah, I used to get angry emails. That's not real. You're not talking to Louis Tyke. Why would he fucking go to your podcast? And it's like, did you listen to what we were talking about? We were talking about <laughs> drinking blood from the youth. <laughs> I don't think so. that would he really say that. <laughs> well, uh, Daniel, thanks for sharing your story. This is a lot of fun, actually. Yeah. And I've been, by the way, listeners, I've been uh, sitting on this couch the entire time. Sitting uh, or lying? Lying. It's been great. <laughs> uh, my Twitter handle is at Daniel J. Parafan. And uh, my Instagram's at Dan J. Parafan. And of course, Facebook, same thing. Um, I have a monthly show at the Creek in the Cave. And, uh, you know, hit me up if you ever need anything or free tickets. What? Take care. Nice. Thanks for doing this. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.